Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Everything EPL. Uh, you're one stop with the latest action from the Premier League. One stop a week, we round up the whole match day. There's a lot of games that have been played in the last week or two. Games everywhere, midweek, end of the week, FA Cup, Carabao Cup, a lot of games. But we're here to talk about the Premier League. Title race, top four challenge, and the great relegation escape from Norwich and Newcastle. I'm here with my good friend, Najee. Hello, my friend. Uh, let the people know who you are and what you do and uh, plug in anything. I appreciate that. First and foremost, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, really appreciate it. Obviously, guys, I, I met Mel uh, on a couple of shows with the, uh, that we did on the terrace regarding Manchester United. As you can tell, big Manchester United fan. Uh, I basically tweet everything Manchester United. I speak everything Manchester United. I run spaces on Twitter for everything Manchester United. And I also run my own game show, uh, which is not just about Manchester United, uh, on football, which is every Sunday it's on my channel. So if you want to subscribe to that, it's Sunshine 47 on YouTube. Just make sure you've got a space between Sunshine and the number 47. And hopefully I'll catch you down on a Sunday. Thank you for having me, bro. Yeah, thank you so much for coming here. Guys, if you're watching this later or live, whatever, just make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel. We try to uh, bring all the content from all the leagues. Yeah, I do the Premier League. There's my fellows, they do the, the, the La Liga and Serie A. And I really appreciate anybody that is watching this. Uh, There's a comment from Rich. Hello, Rich. He gets me on his channel all the time. Thank you, Rich, for tuning in. So we'll jump in right ahead. Uh, it's a lot of games happening. Lots of stuff. Uh, There's one place to start, to be honest, Najee. It's uh, Stamford Bridge. I know that you're a Man, Man United fan, but that game showed us how different the top three from the rest of the league are, to be honest. Like how deep this Chelsea squad, we can talk about the game, the tactics and all the stuff and the back four and Conte playing with seven defenders and one attacking mid and two two forwards, <laughs> but it didn't work out. You know, you're like he tried to defend as much as he can, but the brilliance of Hakim Ziyech just showed in the game. Like this is was madness, right? Give me what what yeah. you thought about why Conte did this. Was he scared to lose instead of he wanting to win, or what happened? I mean, I mean, you got, you got to understand uh, Conte's uh, profile first and foremost. He's not a man that likes to win, but again, he's he's been known for his defensive. His defensive nous in his teams, and coming into this Tottenham team, he he's he's got to set up a foundation. Everybody knows with, with a new team or fairly new team, you set your structure from the base, and and that's from your defense and move it forward. Tottenham had some great results uh, and played some okay football, uh, which has been nice to watch at times. But I think when you look at um, this game in particular, one it is a derby. Uh, I believe it's his first proper derby. He could have had, he should have been playing against Arsenal, but we know that was um postponed for, for obvious reasons of COVID um, or allegedly uh, of COVID <laughs> and not having enough players. But, um, you know, you, you look at you look at Tottenham and think, look, we're in a top four race. We're trying to make top four. Uh, we're against the Chelsea, who is third. I think he's just, um, he's tried to hold them to a draw at Stamford Bridge and tried to nip them on the counter-attack. I think that suits his style. Um, and it just didn't pay off for them. Um, they, they just did not look up to it. Chelsea who are low on confidence as a team that you really should go and attack uh, as opposed to sit back and let them build uh, confidence into their game, which is obviously what they did and uh, the rest was history. Yeah, the, the, uh, in my opinion, the difference in this game is that 
a lot of Chelsea fans complain. Like every day we hear this on Twitter, we hear this everywhere about the complaint. Oh, we don't know. We need players. We need players. But man, look at the bench. And the, if you have the bench and have Conte, you have Havertz, you have all these players can come in and then you're complaining. It's just, it's, it's unfair for Antonio Conte, who his best guy from the bench was Lucas Mora and his second was Brian Hill, which is, it, it shows you how the squad is, yeah. right? Like it, it, yeah. it was insane, to be honest, looking at both benches on the screen. But however, Antonio Conte, I thought he had a plan defensively, but they kind of limited Chelsea. That that The chances, they were not like clear-cut chances other than the Lukaku miss when he just fluffed his line and just kicked the air. But yeah, yeah. in the second half, Chelsea showed them something else. They showed them different quality. And these, these Tottenham players are not good enough for top six. I don't think any of these guys... Bar Harry Kane, probably Lucas Moura and Son when he comes back, will start for any top six team. There is nobody that is good enough. Hugo Lloris on the side. Do you think this this yeah. Spurs team need a rebuild? And is Daniel Levy going to rebuild this team? Because you know you saw, you got the Ferrari, but you need to put new wheels to be able to be on yeah, the road. Yeah. You need to put gas. Well, look, I, I, look, at, um, I look at Tottenham um, before, uh, obviously, they, they, they got... Um, Conte and they weren't looking great and individually I think when, when you're when your team isn't playing very well I think deficiencies of players start to be shown even more so then you, you you're left with looking at them as are they actually even good enough overall but I think we live in an era where if you've got the right manager that can hide deficiencies of players and get the best out of those players you're then in a position to be able to judge fairly I think and I think this team has looked stronger under uh, Conte, but I, oh, apologies, I don't know what that was. Oh, my, my DJ deck just started to play. That was random. I'm not even nowhere near no them. Problem. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, that was crazy. That, uh, whoa, what happened there? That's mad. Apologies. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, so. Are they good I enough for top Conte, four? Are they, good en- are they good enough to represent? I know it's different for the, I think for so. the British people. You think so? You think they are better than United? I do, I do, or... be- I do believe so. I, I, I worry I worried about Tottenham when they when they got Conte because I know Conte is a serial winner uh, with respect and I think he can get the best out of any team. However, if you want to talk about long lasting success, it's going to come down to a rebuild and it's heavy, it's one of the massive reasons I didn't want to make United. Uh, I didn't trust Conte uh, under um, the owners at Manchester United and you look at Daniel Levy. I mean, he in my opinion he ruins managers or ruins managers' uh, potentials and ability. So. I really don't. I think this season will maybe probably probably be their best season to achieve some some form of level of top four. I think if they can get a couple of players out um, and bring some quality in, they may be okay. But again, it, it's massive ifs and buts. Um, and I, I think they can make top four, but do I believe they'll they'll progress next season? I still don't, even with a couple of signings. It's Chelsea. Has Chelsea secured top four? Is it uh, top three? Sorry, the third position. Is that theirs? Is that done? I mean, per, per, personally, I'll be honest. I called it maybe about four or five weeks ago. I said I can't see uh, Chelsea making third position with any strength. I just think they're up and down at the moment. Again, of course, I'm a United fan, but looking at it from the outside in, the problems at Chelsea are quite hard. I can't find solutions for Chelsea's form, like. I look at their structure, their structure of how they want to play football and the, the type of way they want to go and win trophies is, is there. 
uh, the manager they've got is incredible. They've spent incredible amounts of money on Frank Lampard's team and obviously Tuchel's taken massive advantage of that. I look at them and think, what is it? You have your striker with respect. You could have had any striker you wanted to out of the out of the top ones that were available, Bar Haaland, etc. Um, and you know you, you're not really pulling pulling uh, through with, with your striker. I just genuinely feel like the the players um, that may be leaving, like Rudiger, and you look at Christensen. I think there's unrest in the dressing room because they've been a massive part, especially Rudiger, of Chelsea's season so far. Um, he's strong, he's colossal, he's a massive leader in that team. And I think when you know a player like that may be leaving, uh, I think it can mentally affect your team. And I think that's why we've seen up and down performances, you know. Um, do you think people are worried? Psychologically must have, do you, yeah, do you, think I, people, I believe so. do you think the players are worried? I believe so, because I don't think they've got enough characters in there uh, who can, you know, like back in the day, we used to have, a, a, they used to have a, an Eden Hazard, a DDA Drogba, you know, strong characters, regardless of who's on the pitch. I will bring this team through. I don't see that enough. Um, and when you spend a certain amount of money on Kai Havertz, Ziyech, uh, we've screwed a beautiful goal, by the way. Um, you know, Kai Havertz, Ziyech, Lukaku, are they the characters that can, you know, can, 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 can fill your team and go, don't worry whether Rudiger's there or not. I've got this team on my back. And I don't see enough of that. And I think that's why maybe some of the performances just haven't been great. You know, when it's not been going so well, how, how do they respond? And, their body language just doesn't seem to be all, all on fire. They look lack of they look like they have a lack of confidence. So to answer your question, top three, I think they should make top four just because of the points difference. But I can see them I can see the, the guys underneath us, uh, underneath Chelsea, sorry, getting to a level where they may have to win some big games to to maintain that third. I don't think it's secure for them anymore. Do you know, in my opinion, if Chelsea don't win the league, which they won't, it's a failure. Unless they win the Champions League. 100%. You can't, you don't sign a 115 million striker and sign all these players yeah. and have one of the best midfielders in the world and have one of the best defenders Correct. in the league, Rudiger, and, and the best goalkeeper in the world, Mendy. Now, nobody can argue that. It's, it's, the guy has been phenomenal. And one of the top three coaches. And you're not challenging for the title. Yeah. It's a failure, a failure, Correct. a failure. No Chelsea fan can come and tell me, we're not ready. Yes, you had two injuries on the sides. The most important, maybe the most important players. But Tuchel, in this game, proved that he can utilize the players. He was just stubborn and wanted to play the same formation every game yeah. without his wing backs, which showed that change the plan a little bit, it might work. And it worked. Yeah. They dismantled the Spurs team. So I'm going to move on yeah, to you your to team. Exactly. I'm going to move on to your team, Man United. I have to ask you some questions. And, and, and first of all, let's talk about the game from the tactical point of view and how that, that something happened in this game. I thought that it was different. Fine. Suddenly, you're controlling the game. Not only controlling the game in terms of ball position, but controlling the tempo. Again, is Brentford. And I got people told me that uh, I said that to be honest, Ralph Radnick out got out tactic by and and you we were there to get uh, out tactic by yeah. by Thomas Frank. It 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 was because it was so easy for the Brentford players to get the ball a counter attack and just cut through this midfield and the defense. Yeah, you don't have to have ball position to be tactically superior. You can play on a counter attack and be tactically superior. However, Correct. in this game, Man United, to be honest, they controlled the tempo. They limited West Ham's attacks. They uh, Harry Maguire had a good game, to be honest. Varane didn't have a bad game. And I thought that 
this is the Man United that we should see with the quality you have. These are the tactics that maybe this guy can bring to the club. We know that he's not going to stay here past the season. He's going to go to the consultancy job. But yeah. this is what we should have seen. Did you see this as a progression or did you see this as a blip? Um, I saw it as progression personally. Um, in the last couple of games, yes, uh, the Brentford one was, was shocking. And although we won, um, I give uh, credit to our victory more so, not on the fact that we played well, but the fact that Brentford ran out of steam um, and couldn't maintain what they were doing for the whole game, which allowed us to then play our game. Whereas this time it was completely different. West Ham only had, I think, one of their main players out was Diop or the, the He's, no uh, Diop is not the main. Very, very strong They're, team. The, their starting lineup was actually on the field. It was uh, nobody. It's only Ogbona was missing, and he hasn't played for a while. Ogbona, there you go. The defender. Apologies. Yeah. So to, to me, I mean, I rate Ogbona. Um, and again, there's no excuse when you've got a team. Not seen as an excuse for to lose, but there's there's nothing to hide behind for West Ham. They 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 came in the team with a better form. Uh, they've come with uh, you know a point to prove with respect. They they've been great against top sides so far. Um, it was it was set up to be a very difficult game for Manchester United where they could not let West Ham play their game. And with respect to Ralph, the 4-3-3 system uh, suits Manchester United perfectly. When you look at the player profiles and the player personnel that we have, uh, in my opinion, I think it's just the most perfect formation that we can have. Now, again, um, it's my one opinion of probably millions of Man United fans, so I don't speak for everyone. But for me, Scott McTominay is a DM or is a sixth. I will never be happy with that, and for as long as I see that, I will always, I will always scream for Donny to uh, to play there as he's played there for Ajax as well. Um, is a six, and he's more intelligent in that position. However, in my opinion, when I look at the game, all the players seem to understand their roles. So the deficiencies of these players were being hidden, as I said, more often in the game because there was such a good defensive unit. Our wing backs were tracking back. Alanga was helping out Dallo, which again, Dallo was not great defensively. But it just allowed us at those moments where Dallow gets bypassed, Ilang was there to take the ball off. So we no longer focus on the areas of uh, of improvements because we dealt with the situation. So that situation no no longer leads to a, a topic of discussion, i.e. Dallow got skinned and then they crossed the ball. It was, yeah, Dallow got skinned, but Alanga came back and, and did the job. We all praise Alanga and we forget about Dallow's error. So that for me, I, I think it was probably one of the most deserved performances that I can hand on heart. And I think you said this as well. And hand on heart, so that was the closest I've seen to a Manchester United performance. Uh, and I'm happy and proud to say that because I'm very, very honest as a fan where I will say, uh, if I don't think we deserve to win, I won't sit here and get gassed over the result. I will appreciate the result. I will acknowledge it and take it. But I definitely won't uh, sit here and go, we deserve to win that game. And that's the first time I genuinely in my heart felt that we deserved that against a very good West Ham team. Um, and the team looked like, you know, there, there was positive signs there. And all the little things that I've been seeing in terms of like trigger points of when to press, uh, I was seeing that in previous games. But again, it takes time uh, to, to embed such techniques and, and styles. And I think it's just sad because it shows how far we were behind in the previous coaches with respect to them. And that, to me, uh, shows how far we dropped. We were playing relegation football, as I said um, and, you know, the players have had to kind of group up and, and, and get there. Um, and again, we, we deserve the win. Do you know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you an opinion that people, you know, when Tim Sherwood, before Ralph Nijic came, he said, this guy is not a top coach. If he was a top coach, Real Madrid would have went for him. And to, uh, uh, Daniel Levy would have went for him. 
And I still yeah. agree on this. He is good in developing players, but he hasn't had a big job. RB Leipzig was his biggest job. Yeah. He can build your club. He's doing what he can with these players who I think, this is something that I think this, a lot of Man United fans would not like. I think most of the Man United players are playing for themselves. Nobody plays for the club. Nobody play. They don't play as a collective. Yeah. Everybody's worried about their image and how they're gonna resell and the resale value and the sa- and the salary and the contract extension and all the stuff. They don't care about yeah. Man United. And and until somebody comes in and tells these players that this club is bigger than you and this club is bigger than you ever and you will not have been this player if you don't play for this club. I don't think this is a progress. And this is the the thing that we'll get from a bigger coach. Rajnik is a big guy, yeah, but he's I, not a big I, I coach. Agree. No, I, I agree. Listen, uh, the, the hype around Ragnik, any rational and, and balanced Man United fan will tell you that the hype around Ragnik and the excitement was nothing to do with his managerial expertise. It was everything to do with the idea of building structure at this club, which this club desperately needs. Um, you won't find any club in the world of football in the top leagues, even in the bottom leagues, that have no structure that will go on to win something. Football structure is imperative uh, as a foundation to go and win stuff. And, and, and you know, the Glazers have ripped that out from, from early, especially with the appointments. Um, if they're f- so focused on business, that their footballing matters does not matter. And with respect, this is why we are allowed to have players on silly wages, silly new contracts, um, unrest in the dressing room. You know, you have a mixed match of players uh, who are talented, but don't don't they just don't fit each other because of the way they play and everything else. And you know, football's moved on from just having big name players and marquee players. You know, it's not nineteen nineties, two thousands where you have a, a whole heap of Galacticos and the te- the tactics aren't as advanced. Now we're looking at teams of so called smaller clubs, uh, or as we would refer to as smaller clubs or smaller teams that are tactically better than the bigger teams, especially Manchester United, which means they can go toe-to-toe now because they have access to better coaches, better systems, they have a structure. You look at Brighton, incredible. Burnley, have, they've, they've nailed down their structure. You look at Crystal Palace, they're a great manager, but they have the structure to build that. One of the so, things, one, Southampton is, is a great example of how you yeah. get players, develop them, sell them, get the next one, but stay with the same coach. It doesn't matter what happened, and and, and like until this guy is Correct. in crisis, and this is what didn't happen in Man United, to be honest. Anyway, do you, yeah. moving to West Ham, do you think they were punching above their weight? Do you think this this team cannot get to the next level? This is it. It's a top six, and they're gonna drop to to, to be honest. Like they're gonna drop. I think West Ham are gonna finish seventh. No, I I, I can appreciate that, uh, and I'm sure you've got very logical. Um, reasons for, for, for that prediction I wouldn't and I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with you for that uh, I would say me I mean I, I predicted my United to finish fifth this season um, that was after the signings because I didn't you're believe still gonna in, finish in the structure. fifth you're still gonna finish yeah fifth. That, that that's that's my that's my overall opinion uh, yeah. I, I genuinely believe that if we get any higher then cool uh, and that's not me copping up I don't want to say that I'm just very honest my United fan I, I suppose but moving on to West Ham um, you know I, I think they just don't have the quality in depth to maintain what they're doing. They are one injury from a Declan Rice, which probably won't get injured, or a Mikel Antonio, where they did then then ultimately they stopped they stopped winning games. And I think with half a season left, I just can't see them making top four. However, I do I believe they deserve so far to, to maintain European spot or play Europa League? Of course I do. Um and you know they they're in the Europa League this season. Um 
And, you know, they, they deserve that. And I think for a club of West Ham standard and their fans, I think they will appreciate the effort to make top four, but the confirmation that, no, you know, we need to be in Europe. And I think if they make that, then fair, fair enough for them. Anything over sixth, uh, I think, is a good achievement for them. A massive achievement, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you, winning against Liverpool and Chelsea, but losing against Arsenal and Man United tells you how they are actually playing against the better teams better. Like, it, it was just, it's strange to me, to be yeah. honest. Uh, anyway, I'm going to move on to the top two teams. The top two teams, the gap was a little bit like two points, Liverpool. Now they are nine points with the game in hand and they still have to play City, but it is away at the Etihad. The, the main story for these two games are if you talk to both fans, both fans seem to say that the other team was favored. Like Man City fans say that Liverpool, their second goal should not have stood. I'm not sure I'm not sure if you watched the goal or not because Firmino was clearly yeah. offside and he yeah, challenged he for the ball before it went to Oxlade-Chamberlain. But nobody talked about it because it's... I don't want to say because Liverpool. it's Liverpool, but it's because it was everybody wanted a title race. You know, you know how it is. Like they yeah, wanted a title yeah. race. They wanted Liverpool to win this game, and they wanted Man City. Nobody talked about Man City. Should have been man up. Yeah. Uh, two incidents that there should be two red cards. To be honest, to Southampton. Even though I like Southampton, but honesty is honesty, right? But nobody yeah. talked about it because every every pundit wants a title race. Every YouTuber yeah. wants a title race, so they can have something to talk about. So, your well, opinion... I, I, I think... Uh, sorry, sorry, go, go for your question. No, it's just your opinion on two things. Number one, is Liverpool still in a title race or this is just, ah, we're uh, nine points, we can be six points behind City or it's just, or, or they are actually yeah. good? No, I, I'll be honest. Um, I have to show respect to the league and, and having the pleasure to watch my own team dominate for so many years and the title race that we've had, uh, you can't take this league for granted. Um, anything can happen. Until it's mathematically uh, impossible, you're always able to, to do it. That's just something I've grown up believing in uh, and watching with my own eyes. So I can't just uh, forget those experiences. Uh, but I, I just have to look at um, what your, your comments regarding uh, Manchester City and Liverpool's decisions. I mean, uh, with respect, I'll always say there is bias, and that's even towards United at times, uh, where decisions are, uh, for certain players just just go their way. And I think that's just not a foul or that's not a penalty. And th there's no consistency. The, the, the thing that's uh, consistent, uh, which is a negative, is that there is no consistency with decisions that are given to Man City, Liverpool, as opposed to your Southampton's Crystal Palaces, sometimes Arsenal, etc. So. It makes you uh, worry and query and ask questions. And if you have to ask questions, honest questions of, is there match fixing or is there something like that? Then something clearly isn't right. Uh, if you're a neutral, uh, you know, I mean, for, if, if you're a Liverpool or City fan hearing me say this, I'm a United fan. Uh, again, I, if you know, I'm very, I'm very honest with my own team. I, I won't ever gas when I think we deserve to win. So I'm talking strictly football. Um, you, you can't deny that these decisions are, are ruining the game. Um, and referees are seeming to not have the power anymore. You know, it's like VAR says, uh, and then referees do. I, I, I just think until there is consistency and until these referees are mic'd up and until there are proper football people on the VAR lines and it is used consistently, uh, and there is some common sense use. I mean, you look at the penalty shout against uh, Liverpool, like, Biology will tell you that, you know, and you can't just run into someone and then, oh, my God, there's an impact, there's a foul. 
you know there was a decision you know you remember uh, you remember uh, you remember uh, uh newcastle and man city when uh, ryan fraser hit edison and nobody they didn't call the penalty and it was exactly the same impact it was yes. the exact same impact exactly and the they same. said you know what it's momentum the ball was away this is the same so I really have no idea why this was called Correct. as a penalty. And it looked like they were looking for it. They were looking for something to call yeah. the penalty, to kill the game off. Just let us watch the game. Do yeah. not take that away from us in the 85th minute or 86th minute. And this is something that is, it has happened. But to be honest, I actually disagree with you in, in this. Respectfully disagree. It's inconsistent against everybody. If you watch the smaller teams play each other, they would tell you that, Oh my God, Crystal Palace always get the, 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 the calls against uh, Brighton. Brighton will tell you we always don't get the calls against this and that. The problem is inconsistency. It's it's subjective yeah. to uh, uh, human opinion, which is I agree, but don't take five minutes to decide. That means you literally are looking for something to call this goal off or or call this penalty. And that's what we're yeah, trying to yeah, it's. No, I agree. I, I listen, I... Again, with, with respect to the, the so-called bigger teams, I think in a season that is meant to be earned on merit, I don't think you can hold your head up high when you see things like that and go, well, we've won the league, and you look at how they've won it. it, it unfortunately, it dampens what, uh, what would be a, a beautiful title win, in my opinion, if you win it. Because as a fan, you, can't, you shouldn't take pride in, in seeing stuff like that. I know if that was my team, and again, I can't speak for the other millions of fans, we'd be very biased and would be everything else. Just for me personally, um, you know, I, I, couldn't, I can't take pride in seeing uh, us win games like that because it doesn't fill me with any confidence because I'd be lying to myself if I thought, oh, that's how we're going to win the league. I want to see, honestly, I want to see that we've earned it, you know. That, that to me, I was Manchester United through and through. I look at um, the Bruno Fernandes situation a while back when he tried to do a 3-6 turn the box and he stood on the guy's foot uh, because he was so clever. He was given a penalty. It was not a penalty, in my opinion. I didn't feel pride after that because it, it, it made me feel like, ah, oh, I can't really celebrate this win now because let's be honest, I've just seen that and we've won off that. So although football can be kind like that, um, when, when you look at the way, you know, Liverpool, I mean, Liverpool are a better team, in my opinion. Crystal Palace held their own, but I just think, is it luck or or is there something more there? Because these can you, you spoke you spoke yourself you, inconsistency with these decisions and some of them are so blatantly obvious that it shouldn't even fall down to human error. It should. Just Do you know like, the no, offside for me? The offside was me was worse than the penalty. Do you know that? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's it's unbelievable that the guy that that, that Firmino jumped, challenged the defender, and then it yeah. was not called offside. It was like when are you going to call it offside? The guy tried to hit the ball and he missed yeah. it. And he actually affected everybody around. He affected the goalkeeper, uh, like because he thought he's gonna get the header. It's it's unbelievable. But yeah. moving away from the referees, football wise, is Man City the best team in Europe right now? Are they unstoppable? My my opinion, uh, bias off. I think it depends on how you see football. I would say they are the most consistent team. But I don't always think the, the most consistent team uh, equates to being the best team because being the best team uh, goes down to preference of how you like to see football played. Um, how uh, the way you play football is that uh, resulting in dominated, uh, dominated performances. Um, yes, they're consistent and they're, they're winning, but I don't think 
I just feel that when you when you step up against Manchester City, you give them a real game. I don't think there's many teams um, in in England, especially, that are giving Manchester City a game. It only seems that when they go to Europe, that you know they they get a little bit nervous and shaky. And uh, I just think it's a little bit too easy right now. Is that a, is that a testament to Pep Guardiola, and Man City? Of course it is. You've got to got to give them respect, but. I just think the quality isn't there yet. I don't think there there are teams that are challenging uh, consistently enough. There are no consistent teams like you can throw it back a couple of years um, into the era when United were winning. Uh, Chelsea, Arsenal, um, United, Liverpool, they were consistent majority of the season. So when the games, when they ended up playing each other, it was like, oh my gosh, clash of the Titans. Whereas now... Other teams are, are seemingly dominating these bigger teams that are having blips. And normally when, when these big teams have blips, they still manage to get through. Man City are having little blips, not playing well, but managing to pull the results out. And that's the basics for me. If you can do that, then you, and you're the most consistent. You're going to win the league if no one else has been able to do that. Now, put them into Europe. Um, there are major questions as to why they've not won the Champions League. Um, and that, that's not banter. If you look into it deeply, the teams that they are facing or coming up against, there's an added pressure. Same, similar to what you would get if you're in the league and there was a, and both teams are on fire. Um, there's also the idea that, you know, Pep Guardiola is quite easy to play against if you know how to play against his teams and you have the quality to do so. Um, you put them, you put their back, uh, their defense and their midfield under pressure, all of a sudden, Manchester City are on the back foot. Now, how many times are Manchester City on the back foot in the Premier League? It's not, which means their defenders, in my opinion, um, they have less experience throughout the whole season defending 24-7. So when they're under pressure, they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do here. This is abnormal. The game then seems to switch on their head. And I think that's an area of Manchester City where they are vulnerable. Um, again, they're still strong, don't get me wrong, but there are vulnerable vulnerabilities in every team. And I think City, they they they, they are easy to get at. Uh, it's easy to see. It's just having the quality and the tactical knowledge to be able to consistently do it against them. And that only seems to happen in the Champions League. So, It'll be interesting, but I, I think they've won the league. Um, and I think it's fair to say this league just can't touch Manchester City at the moment. So I think Liverpool should focus on the Champions League, to be honest, and just forget about the league. However, it doesn't look like they give up. Every fan, every pundit is telling them that you still have a chance because, again, every pundit and every fan wants to live the title race thing. But yep. I think, in my opinion, Man City are good enough to win against all the small teams. And the problem is Man City play Liverpool in April and that's too late. Because Man City, if they win against Liverpool, the league is done. I think even like at that point, there is no point of Man City playing games anymore. But if they play against them now, yes, they can, maybe Liverpool can catch them. Anyway, Southampton, and and I want to talk about Southampton and and Crystal Palace because I think both teams are kind of similar. Uh, they are yeah. very progress progressive teams. I think they play really good football. The the thing is, Hassan Hotel, I think he does not belong in Southampton. I think he belongs in a way bigger team because his style of football is the same as Graham Potter. It it, it relies a lot on passing the ball and moving the ball forward. Patrick Vieira is trying to build something the same. However, Patrick Vieira have an extra thing, which is the physicality. His team is very, very physical, yeah. which is not a lot of teams in the Premier League have that much physicality in the squad. Correct. Yeah. But these two teams, can they push to the next level? It's as simple as buying player, or is it's or it's the statue of these clubs are never going to be big enough. 
just putting in mind that Man City, when I started watching Premier League, they were not there. And Man City in 2006, they were not there before the, uh, they, they got bought. So Southampton just got sold to a big, big billionaire from, uh, I think, Bulgaria or something like this. Yeah. So do you think they can move to the next level? Finances help, uh, whether whether people agree with it in the modern day or not. Finances massively help. Now, I look at Southampton, uh, they have a great level of quality. Some some would say some of their players could make a top four team. You look at Wood Prowse uh, and the qualities that they have. You know, I think, uh, the, the, is it Brogia? Um, Brogia, the, the forward, the Chelsea. Think, He's a Chelsea one, isn't he, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I, I think even if Manchester City had him in, in their team, he'd bag goals and he'd be okay because... He, he could he could fit the system as opposed to being the big name. Yeah. Um, Twenty years so old. <laughs> he's twenty years old. He plays like a thirty years old. I know. I never. I didn't believe Incredible. it. He's, I think he's twenty twenty one. If if you look at the scouting network, when you when you're when you're in a, a position of being called a small club or a smaller a smaller team that isn't really challenging for top honors at the moment, if you are able to scout in that manner where you can't go fishing for big names or big talents, you have to go find them. And they pull off, and you're able to do it consistently, which Southampton have a great record of doing. And then you're able to get the influx of cash that will allow you to get maybe some Europa League-level players who still want to play on the same level, just have the extra bit of quality. Then you can start to go, okay, we can start to build something. Now, Man City took a very long time, um, you know, and it... Newcastle will be the same, and I hope they get relegated. With respect to our Newcastle fans, but I really hope they get relegated before they they stay in the Premier League, so their money doesn't uh, really affect the Premier League at the moment. But you know, I look at why are um, we okay? Why are we okay with Man City, and we're not okay with Newcastle? Why are we okay? I'm not with... okay with it, but I'm just saying, like Manchester City's uh, ships uh, sailed a long time ago. They've they've laid their foundations, and there's nothing you can do about it. So. If you can stop the next team doing it, uh, then let's do that. Because uh, as far as uh, from a Manchester United fans' perspective, our owners are not in the level to, to build structure and foundation. You are. Club. You actually spend you know, more money it. than everybody else. Man no, United no, spend more This is the issue. This is the issue. On the outside, you say you spend more money. There's two issues with that. The issue is when you spend so much money, you have to look at the percentage of, of earnings. How much of the percentages are you, uh, uh, are you actually uh, spending of what you earn? Secondly, you have to look at where the influx of cash is coming. Most of the top uh, top teams at the moment, their owners are actually providing. Manchester United, even up till now, the Glazers have put zero pence into the club. That's what I want to say. Not that they need to. Not that they need to. But the, the second issue, and the bigger issue for me, is how the money is being spent. So you can spend money. Every season, football clubs are going to spend money and going to spend a certain amount. But if you don't have a structure that is built for football, then you're going to buy big names. I look at Paul Pogba, in my opinion, was a commercial signing. Jose Mourinho did not want him. I look at uh, Ronaldo. Uh, two weeks before, we were screaming for a midfielder. We were looking at midfielders. We were told we need to sell before we can buy. All of a sudden, two weeks later, we can afford Ronaldo. That's a commercial signing. So the money is always going to get spent, but it's how it is being spent that is, uh, uh, that is making us suffer because every manager we bring in has a different philosophy and a style, and they bring players in that even the manager does not want. But it helps them financially because of the the, the media rights. Look at Pogba, Adidas, everything. So these players have been set up to fail. Pogba comes in, he gets told, uh, we're going to build a team around you. They don't build a team because there's no structure there. They bring random managers in. It just it's it's just uh, um it's just how thing decisions are being made. And 
with the finances that are there, we have bankers and, and, and businessmen making football decisions. Until that sorts out, like we said earlier in the show, Radnik is the reason why so many people are happy because he's a football man. He builds structures. You look at his CV, it's as good as Pep Guardiola when it comes to building squads and teams. This is why we're happy. Uh, and then we can be patient with the rebuild. A proper cultural football rebuild is what is needed. But uh, we've moved away from, I think, from the question. But I think, yeah, Newcastle, uh, Southampton, they, they, they are big clubs and they deserve to have someone to, to provide them the stability to stay relevant within English football because they're massive clubs. Um, and you know, anyone I think, think Newcastle fans deserve somebody that. after Mike Ashley. I think they, they deserve 100%. somebody like, to be honest. 100%. Like, this guy was, yeah. Anyway, I want to, I want to, I want to talk about Arsenal a little nil nil against Burnley. It was very frustrating. They talk about the red card, but to be honest, they had one or two chances to score, it was not good enough. I'm not going to talk about no wins in five games because that the, the, the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup is something different, but I'm going to talk about the league. People that the Arsenal fans are like the the, I think it's the London fans to be honest with you. I'm 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 a neutral and and I know a lot of people don't know that they think I support somebody. I don't, but I think that the London teams they are like up and down. That their manager win two games and they're like, oh my god, it's the best manager in the world, and then they lose a game and then the manager is out. Yeah, and that doesn't happen for Liverpool. It doesn't happen. I think Man United, it didn't even when 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 Oli was losing in the beginning of his era, either second year, everybody was like, wait, we don't want him out, it's okay. I think it's it's kind of strange. Like I, I'm not gonna talk about names of the fans and the people on Twitter and all this stuff, but the question is, is he the right man for the job? It, this is the question, just and it's it's not about winning or losing. Is he the right man for this job? It depends on on where where you want the the success. I mean, Arsenal fans will tell you they want to be back in top four. They they sound like we, you know, Man United fans sound exactly the same as them. Uh, they have they have dead owners. Their, their structures all up and down. The fans will tell you they want to be back top four. Manchester United, Arsenal, big big names, big clubs, and we'll hold on to that forever uh, until we're no longer existent. <laughs> but when you look at the board and everything else, you've got to look at the direction. I mean, Arsenal fans are always going on about Edu and and uh, their, their owners and. I can't. There, there has to be a, a mutual understanding with with where your club is at, where the club feel the ambitions are, uh, and where the fans' expectations are. And I think this is the reason. And I can say this as a as a United fan also uh, with Arsenal and their fans. A lot of our fans, because we're so desperate, and we are. I know it's sad, but it, the reality is we're desperate to be back where we belong, where, where our name should be, the, the clubs that, you know, when you look at who owns the Premier League, you look at Arsenal, you look at United, those are names that you associate with top teams. So because we want it so bad, when you start to get a good run of form, you start to think, oh, there is progression now towards that end goal of being incredible again and being amazing. But the reality is you've got to get past your purple patches and blips. And with respect to Arsenal and their fans, every season we have the same thing they're amazing they are back and you spoke about the fans the, the fans unfortunately are they're setting themselves up to fail there's this level of pride that seems to be attached and there's nothing wrong with being proud but don't let your pride over override your judgments and reality because you'll just get upset and then that turns into toxic uh, toxic fumes and toxic energy and then when you multiply that by seventy thousand fans in a stadium or however many they can hold 
that the energies just go straight down onto the pitch and the players don't respond off that. They're, they're struggling. You've got Everyone's got to be off the same page, singing off the same page. And I think if they're able to be able to um, just just accept where they are, like, for example, uh, and I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a, a perfect example, but I'll, I, I judge myself on being balanced as much as I can. So, one, I'm being honest, but two, I still have my expectations and standards. Like with the West Ham, I'm not now sitting here going, yes, we're back, we're good, definitely going to make the top four because the reality is I need to see that performance against in the next the next team, but I need to see the areas of improvement change. I need to see the fact that I haven't got players still shooting outside the box when they don't need to because those are the small areas that are going to help me maintain the, the confidence level. And if I don't see them, then I'm just going to say it was just a one-off game. Whereas I'm seeing some fans, not just Arsenal, but you know United as well, where they're like, right, we're definitely back. It, it's We're back on and... They're just touching the surface, and I, don't, I just don't think they're they're being honest enough with themselves um, to to you know give to be be honest with to be honest with their their opinions and judgments. It's quite it's a bit of a shambles to, to be fair. And I think they they set themselves up for failure. Arsenal, they 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 need they need the rebuild, as they say. And I, I think just the, the, to the, I, I before go ahead finish this. And no, then, no, just just, just to finish. I was just about to say. I think. One, the, the two things I'd say is that you've got to be honest, you've got to be real, you've got to look at your history and go, we do this every season. How can, what's the solution to this? And I, I think it comes down to the board again. And, the, and their manager is good enough, but only for, to maintain a challenge for top four, not to get into top four. Talking about Arsenal footballing-wise, I think they have very good squad promising but it won't mm. win anything today and it won't win anything next season it might win something in three four seasons the problem is other teams around them are not waiting city they have a position free they just go and buy a 50 to 100 million uh, pound player yeah. uh, man united the same and uh, liverpool are not the are not not the greatest example but they have the best player in the world at the moment salah and he's performing the guy's performing so and they got tiago who is a serial winner with bayern and barcelona before arsenal fans need to understand that to win trophies you'll need someone ready today arsenal yeah. fans need to understand that a manager with experience makes a big difference. Not every young manager is going to be Pep Guardiola in 2009. Not every young manager will be Zinedine Zidane yeah. going to Real Madrid. This is what people need to understand, in my opinion, but they don't. They think Arteta, he coached under Guardiola, he's going to be great right away, and he's not. Yeah. I don't think Arteta has the experience enough to win the Premier League. I don't think Arteta has the experience enough to develop young players, even though I think these young players deserve more. However... When you play a game, when you have only one player above 30 in your squad, you're not going to win. I have not seen this before. Having yeah. a team that is very, very young like this, playing on a field, when they, get, when, they put, when they are put under pressure, it doesn't work. You'll need experience on the field. Look at Antonio Conti when he went to Juventus and he said, you know what? I want Andrea Perle, who was at 30-something years old at that point. And he built everything about, around this guy and told him, you're going to teach Pogba, you're going to teach Marquisio, you're going to do this. It's the same. Rodri came into Man City and Fernandinho still played most of the games when Rodri came off the bench to learn yeah. the position. While Arsenal fans and everybody want Saka, Martinelli to play today and they want to be ready today. They want Tavares now. Yeah. And then it's not going to work like this. And th this is just 
from experience from what we we have seen there is not a, yeah. lo- a new Thierry Henry on the pitch there is no new Wayne Rooney when he comes from Everton banging there is no Cristiano Ronaldo it doesn't happen every year and it can happen only when you have experience but they don't they have no experience at all so that's, that's the thing it, 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 it comes out to desperation when your best players are your young players the most exciting ones those are the ones you believe can take you to the top and it just doesn't work unfortunately you know we were the same with Rashford and under Van Hal, it was like, Rashford's our light, shining light. He's going to be the guy that gets us there. We can do it. We can do it. But it's like, you're, you're not realising that putting all your hopes and dreams because the club's so rubbish onto uh, a young player like that just doesn't help for his, his development. And, you know, it you've got to start with... Yeah, no, it didn't. He's, he's, but again, it's Arsenal, isn't it? So I, I, t- I laugh when I can because they're, they're, they're so short-sighted at times, but at the same time, it's still sad. You know, I don't think they're making top four. No, 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 I'll stick by that. <laughs> we'll okay, another. The, uh, I, I want to like touch shortly on uh, uh, one team, Wolves, who one to one against Brentford. Everyone, you know, you know, you know, everyone in the beginning of the season picked them to re- to get relegated. Yeah, I'm not sure. Everyone, and I thought that I looked at this guy Bruno Lagas as his career and. The guy is not bad. He's a good coach. And he did something different. He is very flexible formation-wise. He's very flexible in yeah. players-wise, the way he plays. As far, like as quick as we can, can Wolves actually challenge for top four? Because, you know, if they win their game, they're one point behind Man United with yeah. the same amount of games. I'll, I'll put Wolves, uh, first and foremost, we have, we have to put respect on Wolves at the moment. Uh, getting rid of Nuno, to then struggling for a while to then still be able to get a manager that's allowed them to challenge for European spots and top four potentially. Uh, incredible job. Um, I think if you look at that, that's what Arsenal want. And that's that's not even banter. I think that's what Arsenal wanted. Something of that nature. Um, and they're, they're doing it this season, of course. But for Wolves, I, I look at them the same as I did with West Ham. You know, um, great quality, incredible midfield. Um, they're stubborn. They're compact. Uh, they work hard for the team. They have some great individual players. Um, you look at Podence, uh, and I love. I mean, I love Podence uh, to watch. I think he's incredible. Me but, too. Uh, uh, actually, not a lot of people say that, but yeah, me. Too. I love this kid. I this like guy's so like good. Him. Yeah, and, and I think you know, you look at that. I mean, his turn of pace. He's a player that isn't spoken about enough, and I think it allows him just to get on with his game. And I, without even without an Adama Traore, who's, who was their main guy in the in the squad before. They don't need him, in my opinion. They can make good money off him and they can reinvest. I think next season will be a good shout for Europe. This season, I don't think they make top four. They're going to be close, of course. Um, but I just think the quality overall, um, they just don't have the depth to maintain a challenge. Um, but we'll see. I could be wrong. Uh, but well done to them. I, I, again, I, I think they challenge United for fifth. Um, West Ham... Wolves and United for fifth for me and, and may, potentially Tottenham. Uh, sorry, potentially Arsenal. Um, I think they're doing all of this without Pedro Neto. When he comes back, he's another force, but he's coming back Great from player. a big injury, which is something that is we had not known. Uh, Brentford, I think, in my opinion, Brentford are going to be another Sheffield United. If they do not strengthen the squad, they're going to be another Sheffield United. Next year, we're yeah. going to see them struggling. for It's it's the hype of your first year in the Premier League. It's the hype yeah. of your first season. Like Everybody wants to play, but then the second season, they're going to have a drop. And this is... Unless they strengthen the squad, they do some kind of big investment strengthening the squad. One team that's supposed to be 
when I first started watching the Premier League, it was a top six, big six. We know who we're talking about. It was Everton. Everybody knew that Everton was big six. Can they, can they get sucked in a relegation battle? But if you look at the table, they're actually in a relegation battle. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, I mean it's Everton, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I like Everton. I do. I do like them. We over the years, Man United have fed them players, and they've given us a, a particular player in Wayne Rooney. So I, I have, a, I have a special level of respect for Everton as a club. But at the moment, I mean, Demari is it Demari Gray? Is his name Demari Gray? Yes, Demari uh, Gray, the, the winger, the, the, the guy from Leicester. He, he went to them. Yeah, he he is looking like the shining light of their season because he's just been impeccable. Um, but I think Demari Gray deserves to move to, with respect, to maybe a West Ham or an Arsenal. To go and he was at Leicester and, and he didn't get a chance. Him. He was at Leicester and he was not good enough. They deemed him not good enough Correct. to stay in the squad. I, I, so, love I, love, I love that player, man. Uh, and I think with Everton, after... sorry, go on. No, 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 no. I was going to say that if you tried yourself in Leicester and it didn't work, it's the same as Ross Barkley, you know? Like, I'm, it's like I feel yeah, like man. he's the same, you know? Like, you keep trying Rose Barkley to go up and down, but it's he's he's just a mid-table player. It is what it is. He has to accept it, move on, yeah. and stop and forget about being an English international like he was yeah. before. I think the Marty Gray is the same. Fantastic player, young, but you're a mid-table player. You're not gonna yeah. be that star unless you do something, unless you move from Everton and maybe get a chance in a team, as you well, said, look, like Arsenal. I, I look at him and I think. And again, with Everton, I have to pick Everton apart and go, what parts do I like about Everton? There's a whole team. I mean, their structure is just as worse as United's. Uh, I wouldn't say as worse. I'd make a strong case for that. But the, the way their the, the lack of structures at the club, it's no no doubt that they're struggling. Um, they just don't have the finances like United. And this is, again, it's a worrying thing. But I look at Damari Gray and think, you're in, you're in a club that isn't trying to excel and, and push for things. If you look at West Ham and Aston Villa, I think, you could have a great career if you went to one of those teams because I think at Villa, they've got Leon Bailey uh, to come back. I know they've got just got Coutinho in the 10, but you're a young player. You can learn off some of the experienced players in there uh, and, and understand what it is like to win it and, and upgrade yourself, level up, you know. I think Gerald would would, would do great wonders with him. Um, and then I look at um, West Ham and go, well, I know you've got uh, Bowen. Um, they can use a player like him to be. They don't have a lot of wingers, to be honest. What's yeah, they can use this, a player this, this, like this, this the Marie Gray. You see, and, and for now, Zamboin are the only players on that side, to be honest. They're the only 100%. players. For now, if I was West Ham, I would do it. Yeah, he's yeah. he's 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 gonna give them a depth because now they go back to Europe, West Ham, and next month, and now you're you know, that the, the fixtures pile they pile on, and then you have to play Thursday and you have to play Sunday. It's, it's gonna be hard yeah. for them to be honest. Aston Villa, Steven Gerrard, I think the guy has it's a revolution in Aston Villa. Like to go to be able to sign Coutinho, to go able to get Lucadinha without even like Lucadinha moved. There's a lot of teams outside of England talked about Lucadinha. Inter, my team wanted to sign Lucadinha, but the guy said, I want to stay in the Premier League. Steve, I want to work under Steven Gerrard. I'm going to go there. And he went there. It showed that the level of in, uh, uh, ambition that this club has, they want to be better. They just don't want to yeah. be a mid table team. They want to go. You want to be probably the next West Ham. This is what I think they want to yeah. be, to be honest. Yeah. Do you do, do you think they are they are there already? Because I'm looking at their squad. Your squad is good enough to be top six. The problem is they had a terrible first half of the season. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, again, uh, I hate to bring it back to United, but we're exactly the same. We had a terrible start to the season of playing catch-up. Aston Villa, incredible team. Gerard, uh, and I'm going to speak because Gerard is a manager, not my bias as a player. Um, as a manager, I think he's incredible. Uh, you know, um, you look at what he did at Rangers. You look, I saw a clip of his interview. I couldn't look at his face for much longer. I'll be honest, it was quite annoying. But just a little clip that I did catch. Uh, he was talking about as a player, you know, he did well in his career, but as a manager, it's a different ball game, And he, he showed respect to that by starting from the bottom and learning everything again. Um, and I think it shows, you know, his, his nature for the game, his passion for the game is is, is inspiring for, for many, not myself. Um, but yeah, for, for many, it's inspiring. But I think when you've got a manager that's able to, one, play good football, one, get the respect quite quick uh, from players who clearly respect him. Um, and then you'll look like you're trying to be serious. There's no question in my mind that Aston Villa could uh, next season. They they have to be at least given the respect to say you should be in the top six. Um, I just know they have to be. Uh, Coutinho is, is a great signing. Um, I think it's the most perfect match for Coutinho considering he was a flop at Barca for the price he went. He's now working for a manager. He has great respect, has great memories uh, and also will be a senior figure within a very young team who haven't really won much. Um, you know, and I, I think that's perfect for him. If they can get another player, maybe another striker to go alongside. I mean, I know I've heard about Suarez potentially happening. If it does, he's he's a killer striker regardless of his age. Um, he's tenacious. So he will get you at least 15 a season uh, if you put on the plate. And if you've got Luca Digno, who's putting the balls in the box and you've got good wingers, you look at Leon Bailey. Um, you're going to look at a team that look like that when they go forward, they're going to cause a threat and they've probably got, you know, an extra 80% chance of scoring uh, the chances, whereas at the moment it's maybe 50 to 60. Um, but that could that could bridge the gap for them to get into Europe next season. Uh, and I think they deserve that. Yeah. Uh, the relegation battle, the last thing today. Uh, oh, no. On another news, if Leicester cancelled Brighton. Brighton cancelled Leicester. It was, it was a 50-50 a game in everything. If you look at the stats, Leicester and Brighton. Yeah. I think Brighton are a better team than Leicester, even though I think Leicester have like a way superior squad than a cool. lot of teams yeah. in the Premier League. The squad, the names they have, they should not be where they are. But I think it's Brendan Rodgers, who I never rated in my opinion, and I know that a lot of people will not like that. I don't rate the coach. If you have that squad and you bottle it for a season... Huh? Go ahead, say that again. I said if I could shake your hand, I would. I agree. Dude, dude, dude I, I can't see any bottler like this guy. I'm not I'm not copying anybody, but come on, just give me a break. Your board invests. You want this player, they give you this player. You want that player. You sign one of the best mid-table players to play the ball from the back for Vestergaard, and you're not even utilizing the guy. He's not playing the good players, and, and I don't know what, what he wants from his squad, but anyway, um, I am I'm a neutral, but I'm I'm glad that he did not go to Man United because it would have been a disaster, in my opinion. The amount of people that were trying to force his name on down my throat. I'm like, no, 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 never, never. If you ever. have this no. squad and you're not doing good, you should not be on a bigger club. You should go to a smaller club. And it's just logic. I don't know how people did not see this logic. That was beyond my imagination, to be honest. But... Yeah. These two teams, I think they're going to be okay. They're going to be mid-table. None of them is going to make Europe. Maybe Brighton will be able to make the seventh place. But I don't think yeah. they have the X factor to do that. But we'll see how it is. Relegation battle. Yeah. Quickly, quickly. 
Watford are they just sacked uh, Claudio Ranieri this morning. I feel sorry for the guy. I have I have a piece in my heart for yeah. this guy being an Italian coach and doing what he did with Leicester City and and defying all the odds and and doing make us all football fans and I don't think any fan would have been up was upset when he won the league with Leicester because that's a, that's yeah. a win for everybody. However, it was shambolic performance from his team against Norwich. But just in my opinion, and I know that a lot of people won't like this, Norwich was actually very, very bad. And I tweeted something about this game saying, this is not even a championship game. It was like, it looked like a league. The quality was not there from both teams. The one team had passing, one team had passing success of 52%. How are you playing football in the Premier League and you have a passing success of 52 what are you practicing on, on, on the rest of the week? I don't get it. But anyway, the one 3 0, it's a very, very masking result for Norwich because they actually you like use them like they capitalize on mistakes from Watford. They didn't play great. Do you think Norwich can escape relegation with these results coming their way? Listen, Nor- Norwich with respect to their history and their club, they're a club that go up and then they go back down. It's it's expected every season. Um, th- if there was a league that was between the Championship and the Premier League, they would probably make top three of that league. Um, and it's just a shame that they, they can't get the balance right. I mean, when they're in confidence and they've got the form, they, they seem to dominate the Championship. They come to the Premier League. Like, oh, but what's this? What's this? This is amazing. It's, like, it's crazy. It's, it's out there. They, they can't... They just can't bridge the gap to maintain themselves in the season. So... I'm going to sit with my prediction and say Norwich get get relegated, but I mean that with respect. I, I, I there are there are logical factors that go into that. I don't know the clubs inside and out, so I can't really rip it apart and say, well, if they sort this out and that out, that they can then go and stay in the league. I don't. I think it goes beyond buying quality players. Um, you know, they they have they have a few good players that are maybe mid table quality for a Premier League side, but and I think that's why they get through the Championship. But again, in the Premier League. You've got to come strong. You've got to come harder, and you you know you've got to be able to just have something about you that makes you difficult to play. I remember my hometown Stoke City when they came into the Premier League, they were difficult to play against. Teams could they just couldn't break them down. It was dogged. It was I hated rough. Stoke was, City. I hated you know, Stoke it, City. Yeah, yeah, Stoke City. They, you know, there, there was an identity. It was like when 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 teams come to the uh, come to the Britannia, they're gonna know what's hit them, you know. And they did, and they, they managed to keep it up. But again, the, the quality of the game. Once you get found out, you've got to have more strings to your bow, and you can't just have this this one dimension of football. You've got to be able to be flexible and still maintain the quality. And I just think Norwich just a, as a club is just nowhere near that yet, unfortunately. Um, but you know, they'll, they'll probably get relegated. They'll they'll probably win the championship or the playoffs. And then we'll see him again in two seasons. What about Watford? Can they? Uh, it's a, Watford have this good squad, in my opinion. That's not bad. Yeah. But I think this team doesn't have any identity in terms of play. Sometimes they defend. Sometimes they go forward. Sometimes they press. And is it the manager's fault? Maybe. But like, what, what's <sighs> it? What, what is it about the squad? It's just kind of strange. They were very exciting in the beginning of the season. I mean, how? How can how can you have a bring in a manager like Claude Ranieri? It, again, it depends on how much you respect Claude Ranieri, but how can you bring this this man in and then get rid of him like that? I, I don't know what's going on, but I think 
if you look at the, the, the entirety of what from the outside looking in, you can talk about the quality, but they have some great players. Um, I think they have enough about them to stay in the Premier League, maybe finish 15th, um, 16th maybe, uh, and do it comfortably. Um, I think they can do that when you look at the whole course of the season. But look, what Watford are just, they're a frustrating side because at moments they can have beautiful moments of brilliance. And it's like, wow, you know, Watford did really well. But then they just look swamped and they look lost. Um, and it's, I, I have to just admit, I don't think they, they can stay up. Uh, I would like them to personally. I've got a bit of a soft spot for Watford because uh, I think they've got the, the fundamentals there to, as I said, finish 16th and maybe 15th if they have a really, really good season. But I just, again, overall, it's just, I think it's more of a, from the outside looking in, I would, I would put my eggs in a couple of baskets and say, there's got to be something wrong with the structure and the board and how the club has run uh, because they have, they have potential clearly on the eye to to be great. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, it's not like I look at Norwich and go, you're trying everything, but it's just not happening. I think Watford could do a lot more uh, behind the scenes to to ensure that they've they've got a structure there because they've had some great players and they do they do scout quite well, uh, especially. So yeah, it's a shame, but I th- again, that's definitely got to be a team that's getting relegated in my in my opinion. Leeds and Newcastle, I think that game was absolutely an into-in game. I watched the game. It was it was great to watch, to be honest. Uh, it yeah. was a fluke. I think it was a fluke goal by, by Shelby. But but again, it is... Newcastle, I think they have the quality to stay now. They just need... I think they are one centre-back away from being a good team, in my opinion. But... Yeah. Uh, are they, they going to stay? I mean, uh, if, they, if they put 30 million for Maguire, they can take him. <laughs> They won't do that. Maguire won't go because he wants to go to the World Cup next year. Uh, this year, at the end of this year, he won't go. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I think Maguire is 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 too good for Newcastle, in my opinion. He's not a bad defender, but he's a 30 million. As you said, he's a 30, 40 million. He's like a Ben White. He's not a leader. He should not be the captain of Manchester United. But then, But they put a lot of money on him, and this is why people call him out and say, oh, you're bad, you're bad. He's not bad. He's just a thirty million. He's another. He's been white. He's you know you know he's not Virgil is, van Dijk. No. This is the thing. He's not Diaz. He's not. No, he's not. I, I don't have. A, I don't have. I don't really focus on the price of a player. Yes, there is a certain level of expectations when you are overhyped and you you seem to have a good Euros and you know you're coming to Manchester United and then you look at the price and go okay well if you're an eighty million player then I'm expecting a Vidic, a, a Steve Bruce, a Yap Stam. That's what you're expecting. So I don't think it's wrong to to expect that, but I, I can't no longer use a price to define a player because, in the other hand, you can get players like Damari Gray we spoke about for one point six, and people are oh my god, he's such a steal and a bargain. But maybe maybe they should have paid more for him. Um, and I think it's a balance. Like the player, if the player come out and said, "I am worth eighty million, you pay it," fair enough, cool. Then then I'm going to put expectations on you. These players, they're they they're being judged by others, and those that are judging are the ones making the prices, the 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 hype around the player, the the um the the financial director, everything. Those are the ones who are putting the money together, saying, okay, I'm paying eighty million for him. So really, the the energy should be put on those guys rather than the player. The same with Paul Pogba, you know. Same with Coutinho. Why are you spending that much? What did you see to spend that much? That is not the player's fault. That is on you. So I can't hold prices against him. But again. People would disagree, and again, I won't. I wouldn't argue with them because, again, it's a lot of money. You you come in for to a prestige club, 
um, who are known for having amazing centre-backs, the expectations have to be high. We can't drop our standards and go, oh, let's just wait and see. We have to go, OK, you're 80 million. You're that guy. Let's go. Let's see what you've got. And if you're not, it's going to come down hard. So I can't use the, the money against him. But again, it, as you said, 30, 40 million tops um, with add-ons. That's it. Newcastle are gonna smash all of this, I think. In the net, if they stay in the league, they're gonna smash all these prices in the net. They just offered 10 million for Lindegard for Lingard to to come in loan a loan fee. I have never seen a loan fee of 10 million in in my life. life. I've never seen this, but they just offered it. The problem is, Man United, they're like, take it, give us the 10 million, we'll pay somebody's wage with this. Lingard is still thinking about it, but I think if they get Lingard. I think they will stay in the league. They will have enough to stay in the league. The yeah. problem is it's going to be Burnley at that time to get dropped. And a lot of people have a lot of affection for Sean Dyche. I didn't. I never did. Because I think they ruined the league. Yeah. They ruined the way they played. The way they play football was not great. But anyway, the yeah. last thing is, are we saying that Newcastle statistically and logically should be able to stay more than Burnley? Um, yes, but I, I, again, with Burnley, I spoke about identity. They have a strong identity, which allows them to, if you don't, if you don't adapt your, your squad to go and be a, a very annoying Burnley squad, you give them every chance to go and get points. Newcastle, massive passion, but they, they don't, they just don't have anything. Like I look at Newcastle, I go St. Maximum, he's your guy. What's your team saying? And again, you mentioned if they can get Lingard, you have another X-Factor who, again, can produce moments of beautiful brilliance. And I think Newcastle are starving for that. He can come off the bench and just bag you a goal. He'll give you that. That's part of his game. It's his nature, the way he plays. You know, that's not look. It's not look, so it's not fluky. It's you, That's what Lingard can give you. You get that player in. Uh, I think if you, there are plenty of centre-backs out there good enough to be able to show you up. Nobody wants to go. They already talked to Tarkovsky. Nobody wants to go. They don't. They, they, Tarkovsky. They, they don't want to let him go. Yeah. Even though his contract expiring, nobody wants to. For some reason, forwards are okay to go to Newcastle on loan. Nobody wants to go to Newcastle from the defenders. Trippier went there because I think he the family issue. For some reason, the reports yeah. are saying they tried with two centre backs. One of them is Tarkovsky. He didn't want to go. I don't know why. But I still think even if they get Lingard, they have to get a center back. Fabian Cher, yeah. and I think they have uh, Jamal Sills. They're not good enough yeah. to stay, to defend. And they, they are because their forward line yeah. now are playing okay. Sam Maximan, as he said, Joel Linton now are playing an attacking midfielder. And if they get Lingard, yeah. it's good enough, right? But they need a defender That's and it. nobody yeah. wants to go. They need to look outside of the Premier League. This is what they need to look. They need to go somewhere else and get someone from Germany, from Italy, something like this. This is what I think Newcastle should do, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, again, they've got to, they've got to sort the problem out now in January to give themselves a chance. There's no point being able to have a, bit, a little bit of firepower and an X factor, um, to use your words. But then when you're defending, you can't even back it up. You're not going to stay in the league, unfortunately. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, if you look at the... the, the, the Why they didn't go for Twanzebi, for example? Why Twanzebi, for example? Twanzebi... I was just about to say, I mean, Twanzebi, even even Tiedemengi, who's gone to loan uh, at Birmingham, 
He came on for his left back. That was his debut at left back. And he absolutely did really well. Tida Mengi would get re uh, relevant game time in the Premier League. Uh, and I think it would do him some, uh, some great confidence. But that's an opportunity missed, in my opinion. Man United's centre-back situation is... It's all over the place. I mean, they, they could even put a bid in for Eric Bailly, but I don't think Eric Bailly would go. Um, you look at Johnny Evans, I know he's passed it, but the experience there, he's good enough to be able to do something of that nature. Uh, would you go to Liverpool and take maybe, uh, who's the, the brother from, that they bought from Preston um, for a little bit of money? I know they're trying to get rid of, there's a player they're trying to get rid of, I can't remember his name. Um, I know the defender that did this move sure against Milan, that was great. I know who you're talking about. The one that is his video is all yeah, over the internet. Yeah, uh, I, I can't I can't recall his name for for the top. But of anyway, they have opportunities. Again, but know, anyway, they, they need to drop one off. Like, yeah, okay. So last thing, we we're past the hour. I'm sorry, people. It's 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 a longer show. Apologies, uh, sorry. Last thing is is is. Do you think is this the year we see Burnley go down? No, um, I, I think they stay up. I think they scrape it through, they stay up. But Sean Dyke, she's got too much pride. Um, and I think Premier League needs a Burnley in there. Um, I think there's a place for Burnley in the Premier League. I th again, based on the teams at the bottom at the moment, if they don't sort out the issues that we've already spoken about, and bear in mind some of them can't be sorted out, I look at Everton. Burnley are going to be given a, a free hand. They've just got to get some results over the line, especially at home. Uh, and if they can beat the, play the teams that are around them, and then pick up a draw here, maybe against a Tottenham or an Arsenal or Brighton or Wolverhampton, uh, and maybe a couple of those points. I think they make it safe, but I don't think the teams below them beat those other teams based on form. Um, yeah, the January window is going to be exciting, but there's only a couple of days left, so yes, <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to left. wait and see. Yes. Okay. I want to thank you so much for coming on. It was a uh, it was absolutely great talking about every single team in the Premier League. I know this is something that not a lot of people used to to talk about every single team in one show, but I like it, and because we tried to watch all the games. So thank you so much for coming. It was an honor. It was great to have you on. No, thank you for letting me be your guest, man. It was an absolute pleasure, man. Hundred percent. And thank you all for watching. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to this on an audio, please rate us on any platform you get your podcasts on. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Make sure to like and subscribe if you haven't yet. And thank you so much. And we'll see you next week.